Hello, everyone. As you know, my name is Grace, and tonight I felt like I should talk about the love of God. It's something I've been learning about quite a lot the last few months. Through this, I realised that I knew God loved me. You know, it's a fact in the Bible. But I only knew this because the Bible told me that. I didn't know it, like, in my heart. (sighs) Sorry. Um, So I realised I was not grounded and rooted in God's love. I could not say with complete confidence that God loved me. So I'll give you an example about why love is so important. In the 13th century, King, King Frederick II in Germany decided he wanted to find out what the original default language was. He took 45 babies and put them in care where they were only allowed to be fed and bathed. They were not allowed to be talked to or given any maternal care, affection or interaction. And then, unfortunately, every single of the babies died. It wasn't because they had the lack of care, it's because they were not shown any love. So as I was saying before, I knew God loved me, but only because the Bible said so. I tried to be like, yeah, you know, God loves me, right? But soon that quick burst of motivation would give way to lies of the devil, that I wasn't good enough, or because I did X, Y, Z, you know. In other words, I felt condemned. I could not say, yes, Jesus loves me with authority. And I always questioned that. But John 5:24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from life unto death. I find it interesting how it says here, And believeth on him that sent me, and shall not come into condemnation. What Jesus really is saying here is that by having condemnation, we are not believing God. We're not believing in his goodness, his mercy, and his love. Hence, I've come to the realisation that Satan tries to convince each and every one of us that we are not loved because he knows how powerful God's love is. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. And also in 1 John 3 verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So through that, I realised that only knowing that God loved me because the Bible said so, was not enough. So now the question remains, how do you become grounded in God's love? Use the example, if you were wanting to get to know someone, romantically or platonically, you would spend quality time with them, ask them questions, and get to know them. I realised I wasn't doing the same with God. So I changed a couple things started journaling, spending more quality time with him. And now I can say that, yes, Jesus does love me with confidence. So Jesus does his part, but do we do our part? He sent his son to die on the cross for us. He has known each and every one of us before we were born. He knit 
each of us together in the womb and he has an awesome plan for each person's life and it is all good. Now tell me that is not love right there. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we all know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are called according to his purpose. The Bible is full of promises in God's love. But let's be honest, if we don't believe it in our heart, they're just words on the page. So once I realised that my lack of understanding about God's love was a chink in my armour, I made some changes. Like I said before, I started spending quality time with him and journaling, etc. I also asked God to show me his love, but that I would be open to it as well and not just brush it off. So yes, now I can say that I don't, like I'm not, how do I put it, I'm not like, oh yeah, I'm not good enough anymore or anything like that. I can just say, no, I am good enough because God loves me. And that's, you know, the end of the matter. I think the scripture, Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 19, sums it up quite well. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with the fullness of God. So let's wrap up what I just said. God's love is essential for our lives as Christians. Otherwise, Satan tries to convince us that God does not love us because he knows how powerful God's love is. Secondly, although God never stops loving us, we need to do our part in the relationship. And finally, I concluded that I needed to be rooted and grounded in love. And that started by having a relationship with God. All in all, this sums up what it means to live more abundantly through Christ. By knowing that you are loved by God, it helps you to be equipped to also pass on, give and love others. This is ultimately our fulfillment as Christians. So my question remains, are you grounded in God's love? Thank you. I would also like to um, welcome up the next speaker. Um, he's a youth leader and he does a great job. Um, please put your hands together for MJ. Hello, friends. So I am MJ. I'm a youth leader. I intern for Dylan and... I'm studying a Bachelor of Ministry at City Point Ministry College. So I'm going to be talking about dreams. So do we have any Switchfoot fans in, this, in the room? I'm seeing a good amount. I think you're going to enjoy the name of my message. It is, I Dare You to Dream. <laughs> you see, we have been given authority that we can be bold before God and we can ask and we will receive what we ask for. However, sometimes we have the idea that God won't give us what we ask because it is too much. However, He is a good God. I like the way Brian Houston writes it in his book. He, in, the book's name is There Is More. 
He says that when we ask God for more, his response is more what and how much more? My supply is unending, my mercy limitless. My grace is more than what you need. He will give you what you ask for. Maybe you're dealing with past disappointment, the pain of watching your dreams die. Maybe things have just gone exactly opposite of what you planned. I do believe that the biggest dream killer is the thought that it is impossible. It is too much. But what is, God says the opposite. You know, he says, in me, nothing is impossible. But, so then why do we think of it as impossible? It's because we're not willing to do the hard work. We're not willing to lay down our lives and go full-heartedly into what our dreams are. I sat down with a friend of mine and we had coffee and what he said to me was that, MJ, you have such a great calling, but you have to be willing to put in the hard work. If you want to be greater than me in the walk that I am doing, then you have to be willing to do more work than I am. You have to study harder. You have to be willing to put more time with God. You have to do the hard work. Friends, I have good news. We serve a God who can resurrect dead dreams. And every time we throw ourselves a pity party is a time we keep something from God. Instead, we need to set our hearts on Him and give Him what is His. And because what is His is ours and what is ours is His. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Sometimes we think horse when God says unicorn. (laughs) In other words, sometimes we think so naturally when God has called us to think supernaturally. God has called you to bigger things and to bigger dreams. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are called to bigger dreams. dreams. (laughs) Now turn to the person on the other side and say, you are called to bigger dreams. John 11 verse 22 to 25 says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Sometimes the way we perceive resurrection damages the power of God. Sometimes we just see it as an event that happened 2,000 years ago or something that happens on very special occasions. But it's something that happens every day. For he is resurrection. Friends, I have good news. Our God can resurrect dead dreams. I'm going to say that again. Our God can resurrect dead dreams. So the truth is, we do serve a God who wants to resurrect our dreams. So don't stop him from doing what he wants to do in your life. So I dare you to dream again. So I get the honor and privilege of welcoming up our last speaker. He is an amazing, mighty man who leads so well. And man, I'm blown away. And I've got to see him take up the mantle of youth pastor. Like, I'm so honored to serve under him. So join me in welcoming Matt Wyman. Good job, man. You pumped it. Good job. 
How good. How good. Come on. Can I take a moment before I do anything? I just want to honor the people who just spoke, all the people on our team, all the young people here. Can we give them a big clap? Come on. Come on. You guys are anointed. And God has a calling on your life and he's going to use you to change the world. 100%. 100%. Come on. I want to apologize for two things first and foremost. If I'm limping, I apologize. I did legs yesterday. It's the first time I've done them in a while. And they hurt, okay? They hurt a lot. So if I'm limping, that's why, okay? It's not because of anything else, all right? And secondly, I want to apologize for my hair. Honestly, just, just a bit of a backlog context. It's in a weird stage of development. The reasons why are because... I grew it long, I shaved it, I then grew it out again. I dyed my hair blonde with Pastor Dylan up the back there. Um, I then shaved it again because of regrowth, and it's just weird. It's gone through a lot. So can you just not look at it? It's looking a bit porky piney. It's, I, just, I wish it wasn't like this while I was talking to you, but, you know, I wasn't going to wear a wig, so, you know, you've got my hair. Um, <laughs> Hey, uh, I also, I want to quickly um, honour our senior pastors, pastors of this house. Can we honour Pastor Catherine and Tom? Why don't you stretch out your hands with me? I don't know if they're watching right now. I don't know what they're doing. I know Catherine, Pastor Tom's here, but Catherine's in, in Tasmania preaching. I don't know right now, but she's at a conference. Can we just pray for her for a moment? Let's stretch out our hands to the screen. Dear Father, we thank you for Pastor Catherine. We thank you for every bit of sacrifice that she has made for this church and this congregation, God. And we just bless her ministry trip right now, God. We speak the favor, the grace, the anointing of God. We thank you for healing, signs and wonders. We thank you for the best message she's ever preached God we thank you and we send her and we just cover her with our grace and our prayers in Jesus name everyone said amen, amen. well um who enjoy who was here last week yeah um okay a fair amount of us weren't here last week well pastor Catherine shared an amazing message an amazing message if you, if you weren't here um you missed out Dead set. You missed out. Um, and I would encourage you to, to watch it um, because she just ripped the lid off this place. And she talked about, you know, how we, how we basically can posture our heart, how we can reach people, you know. And it was very timely and relevant. And, and what I'm talking about tonight um, is really, I think, a one-two punch in regards to what she mentioned. I'm going to talk about advancing the kingdom of God. All right? We're going to talk about what happens outside of this room, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., when you're in your job that you hate, when you're around those people that you dislike, when you're in that situation where you feel scared or people are judging you, we're, we're going to talk about that. Because that's so what I'm passionate about, and it's what God has been talking to me all year about. If you don't know me, my name's Matt, as MJ mentioned. I, I have the privilege of leading the youth here. I um, have an amazing team, awesome young people, and it's an absolute privilege. been doing that for the last three years now. I also have an amazing wife. Her name's Emmy Wyman, and she's the best. I am blessed. Um, and I know I'm fitting the stereotypical youth pastor mentions his wife, but you know... I come up here maybe three times a year, so I've just got to, I've got to, I've got to hustle. I've got to, I've got to make sure she's, you know, just got to let you people know she's amazing. I'm blessed. Going to talk about advancing the kingdom of God. Um, can you get your Bibles or turn on your phones? And I want you to make your way to John chapter 16, starting at verse 12. 
Before you get there, or not before you get there, while you're getting there, I'm going to give you some context. So the context here is Jesus amen. talking to his disciples. Yes, amen. Amen, Harry Jesus. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And basically, this is right before he's about to get arrested and he's about to, you know, complete his mission to save the world. Essentially, that's what he did. Um, that's the time in which we're talking. Hey, I want you, let me know when you're there. Put your hand up when you're there. Wow, you guys are quick. John 16, starting at chapter 12. Actually, press pause. We're going to um, do something real quick. We do this at Youth All Time. It's one of my favorite things. And people watching online, you can put this as an emoji, you know, in the, in the comments. I want to know how your week was. If your week was good, thumbs up. If your week was average, sideways. If it was bad, thumbs down. If it was somewhere in between, I'll let you measure that yourself. Three, two, one, go. I'm kind of aligned, so. All right, we've got many thumbs up. That's good. No, okay, we've got a few 45 degrees. How good? Awesome, awesome. All right, so John 16 says, I still have many things I say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, All things that the Father has a mind, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. We're talking about advancing the kingdom of God tonight. In this first point, I just want to I just want to lay the groundwork. The first point I have is I have the authority. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I have the authority. Come on. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them you have the authority. Say it again, you have the authority. Come on, come on. Because we're talking about advancing the kingdom of God tonight. And that's impossible if we don't know and believe and walk in the authority that Jesus has given us. It's useless. Because then we'll go in every room, we'll go in every situation, and we'll be a victim. Because we won't realize we have the authority. Let's go back into the scripture real quick. It says, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak in his own authority. Whenever he says he, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus here. So we can see here that it says, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. So we can see that You know, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all connected. The Holy Spirit isn't just this rogue agent that kind of does its own thing separate from those two, right? They're on the same page. They're connected. So the Holy Spirit doesn't have its its own separate authority. The Holy Spirit is the tangible realization of Jesus' authority. It's not its own thing. So the Holy Spirit, as you can see in this passage, acts on behalf of Jesus, what does it say here? To glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the authority of Jesus and it works in and through us. When we gave our life to Jesus, the Bible says that that we were saved, we we were set free, and we were given a new spirit. The Holy Spirit now dwells on the inside of us. So now... I have the authority of Jesus living on the inside of me. 
Which means that I am literally walking in the same authority that Jesus walked in here on earth. Because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. With that in mind, let's read the Great Commission. Follow me to Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. Bit of context, obviously, this is a Great Commission. So these, this is Jesus' leaving words um, to his disciples right before he ascends into the heavens. He says to them, Then Jesus came to me and said, All authority, all authority, every single bit of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end. I find it interesting that, that the therefore comes after Jesus clarifies that he has been given all the authority. He doesn't say, I've been given all the authority, and by the way, you have as well, so go and do, do your thing. He says, I've been given all the authority, therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and teach people. Therefore, go. If you think about what we've just mentioned, it makes sense that it's all based on Jesus' authority. And that is completely accessible to us through the Holy Spirit. So every single one of us here, the truth is biblically that if we have been saved, we have the same authority that Jesus walked in, which means we can walk into any situation with a God-giving, God-breathed authority. It doesn't matter how people are talking. It doesn't matter how it feels. It doesn't matter if someone's possessed with a demon. It doesn't matter whether there's gossip. It doesn't matter if there's lies. It doesn't matter anything. We have the authority of Jesus living on the inside of us. Can I get an Amen. Come on. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter how you woke up. The truth is, even if you don't feel it, you have the same authority that Jesus walked in. And how? Because you have the advocate. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Come on. So that's the basis, okay? That, that's, the, that's the primary thing. We've got to believe. If we're going to advance the kingdom of God, you know, if we're going to walk into situations that are, that are devil-ridden, that darkness has had its day, you know, where people are deceiving people and bankrupting people and, and are treating people, acting in the world's way, we've got to believe we have the authority. We've we got to believe that the darkness doesn't have the authority, but we have the authority as believers. That's the, that's the basis. All right, moving on. I want you to say after me, I am an addition not a, not, a neutral, not a neutral or a subtraction. I am an addition, not a neutral or a subtraction. We're going to go to Matthew chapter um, 5, verse 13. Basically, once again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is um, a way earlier on in his ministry. He was kind of just getting started in his, in his formal ministry. He's, you know, he's doing the rounds. He's preaching to multitudes. He's healing people. He's just kind of picked his disciples. And this is off the back of him preaching, you know, to a bunch of people. He, he tries to run away from them to get some space. The disciples follow them as they always, as he, they always do. And he just like, brrr, just goes nuts on them and does these, like, this lectures them, you know, for like three chapters. It's called the Beatitudes. Um, and he says in this, 
You are the, this is to the disciples. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm an addition, not a neutral or a subtraction. I don't know about you, but, but it can be really easy to walk into a room um, or a situation and quickly feel like, one, I'm not doing anything to influence this, or two, I'm being affected by this. People are gossiping, you know, people are not acting the way you want, people are bad-mouthing, you know, your boss is treating people bad. There's a situation that you don't like. It's easy. Oh, well, I, don't, I can't do anything about this. I'm not the manager. I'm not the person in charge. Or, or maybe I'm going to slip into, you know, getting involved. It's easy. But Jesus says to the disciples, you are the soul of the earth. You are a light. I love how he talks about this. You don't go home and when it's dark, just, oh, you know what? I'm just going to just sit in this darkness. You know? Oh, I'm not going to. Or you don't, oh, okay, it's dark. I'm going to turn on a light and then I'm going to put something over it so it doesn't light up the room. <laughs> Who does that? No one here, I hope, because that's weird. We don't do that, right? Because why? We have a light so it dispels darkness. That is how Jesus sees us in this world. We are designed, we are created as Christians, Monday through to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., when we feel like it, when it's hard, we are designed, we are called to be light. So we aren't afraid of darkness because we're the very thing that can dispel it. Come on. We're not afraid of darkness because we're the very thing that can dispel it. I mean, you're designed to be a lamp. I've got a little analogy. Are my crew ready at the back? Give me a yell. Oh, we're ready. We're ready. I'm going to move this real quick. The, G, the, the young adults would have seen. I put, a, I put a post up. I need some steaks to get cooked. Can we, can we bring it out? While these lads are bringing it out, I need one volunteer. Um, and you, you, might, you have to be able to eat meat. Sorry to any people that don't. Um, because we've got steaks. Do we have a volunteer? Oh, first one to run up. First one to run up. Oh. He was on for it. He commented on the post. All right, you've got to be blindfolded, bro. Yeah. Can we get someone else to come up here and blindfold my man? I mean, yeah, you, I mean, I'm sure you can do it yourself. All right. Yeah, that's it. Joe Coram's on the stakes. Bring it up here. Bit closer.
Is Joe Corum situated on the stakes? It's good? All right, we've got the stakes coming. <laughs> just don't move, Travis, okay? Just stay there, okay? We don't want you to trip over. He's very nervous. That's what he just said. All right, we're here. We're here. Awesome. All right. You didn't hear that, Travis. Put your hand up. Put your thumbs up if you can see these two. All right, we're good? Okay, sweet. All right, Travis, come over with me, mate. I'll grab his hand. All right, I've got them here for you. <laughs> Grab that piece of steak. Have it, have it, just, you know, chuck it in your mouth, have a taste. Good steak? All right. Right. You reckon it's unsalted? He said his taste buds are neutral. After he just said it's got no salt on it. Okay. All right. Now come over here. Try have that one. Oh, he's still got food in his mouth. I'm rushing him, you know. Come on, just swallow it, Travis. They're all waiting. <laughs> I don't know why they're clapping. So you thought that one had no salt. What about this one? He's ruined my analogy, but... He thinks they taste the same. He reckons the first one was better. No, they're the same steak. This piece tastes dry. Apparently this piece tastes great. Do you want to try another piece? I don't want to... Alright, what about this one? I'm intrigued. You fixed my analogy. Do you want to try it though? I'm genuinely interested. Can you tell the difference? <laughs> on, the, on the outside I can, but the inside... Yeah, he said on the outside he can tell the difference. Probably because salt's on the outside, not the inside. <laughs> but that proves my point, Travis. Yeah, we're here. Alright, I need some people to take this off. And I'm blindfold him. I made it so he cannot see. 
too good. Can we get a big clap for Travis? He did his best. That's one thing I love about Travis. He's extremely honest, you know? You, you get what you want with Trav. It's good. Well, he, you did hear what he said, though. He said that the outside tasted different, probably because one had salt and one didn't, right? So I want you to imagine your day job, your family, your workplace, the thing that, that you know, you might feel has nothing of God in it, apart from you. I want you to imagine that is the steak in this analogy. See, Travis had the steak, and even though he said they can't taste the same, he said the outside tastes different. Why? Because there was salt. Keep in mind what Jesus is saying. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. So you, person sitting here right now, you are the salt in your workplace. You are the salt in your family. You are the salt when you go to the grocery store. You are the salt when you're dealing with an impatient person. You are the salt on earth. You know, I like to, and, and I think, you know, can I just be straight with you guys? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm 23. I'm not, I'm not the, like, I'm not 60 years old, but, you know, I guess one thing I think we do a lot of the times is, is we overcomplicate what it means to be salt. You know, we're like, oh, I haven't prayed for someone to get healed from blindness today. Well, I'm just not going to do anything. Oh, I haven't, you know prophesied over someone oh well I'm just going to be grumpy and we let it take us into condemnation and we we completely and then and then every encounter we have with people we're not salt we lose our flavor because we're like oh it's so hard and I've got to do this and I've got to do that well if I can't do that I might as well not do anything honestly I, I like my question in regards to this for myself at the moment is simple is a place better because I'm in it? Yeah. Is a place better because I'm in it? Yeah. It's not hard. How can I make it better? Not be a jerk. How can I make it better? Not gossip. How can I make it better? Maybe ask someone how they're doing and stop thinking about myself. Come on. How can I make it better? Maybe I'm going to encourage someone today. It's not hard. When I do it, when I, go to the, when I go to fill up my car with fuel, I ask my, I think, you know, this, this person, I don't know them from a bar of soap, they've probably seen 200 people today. But I want them to walk away and go, oh, you know, that guy was different. Yeah. Oh, why was he different? He asked me how my day was. No one else did that. They were just worried about their own things and they were rude and they, they just cared about their fuel. It's not hard. You know, um, this year has been a really interesting year for me because um, I've been serving in this church since I was 17 years old. You know, I've been interning for Dylan, doing youth. You know, I've been scrubbed that water baptismal, cleaned, straightened these chairs for two years. You know, done all, like, all the, all the stuff, you know? All, all the stuff that, you know, MJ's doing right now. <laughs> I feel for you, bro. It's okay. You're going to be all right. Um, I've done all that stuff. Because um, I, felt, I felt called to church ministry. I had an encounter with God and, and, and he wrecked me and, and I, felt, I felt called to it, you know? Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm just going 
go 100%. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's right. That's the right thing to do. But, you know, I've, I've, I had this, um, you know, but, but it kind of, I realized this year that, that my, my desire and my, my feeling of calling to ministry, it, was, it had formed part of my identity. You know, to the point where, can I be really honest with you, church? That, you know, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it out of my mouth, but I'd be like, rah, 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 rah. I want to be preaching more. You know, I want to be up there more. You know, well, I've done the hard yards. I've done this. I've done that. Like, you know, I'm good at it. Like, honestly, just being real, I wouldn't say that, but I'd think it. It'd be in my heart. <laughs> you know, and I, and I realized that I felt like my calling was dependent on, you know, how much recognition I get here or, or how much like, opportunities I get. Um, and uh, this year I started um, working um, for a company, Travis and I, it's called Strength Potential. We, we do a lot of support work. We have some guys here that work with us and um, it's real fun. You know, we get to, we've, we be, we, last year we saw eight people get saved through it. You know, we get to basically just help people, mentor people, um, add value to their life. And, and we, we're with a lot of, um, we, we're, we're a lot in the support work, like in the disability industry and we work with a lot of, you know, families that <laughs> have probably never heard of God before or have no idea and, and who are really doing it tough. And I remember I was um, with, a, with a family that, that we, uh, we, we used to work with and um, I was in their living room. I think I had to get some documents signed, but I, I was just chatting with them and, and hearing a bit about the mum's story and, and she was kind of processing a bit with me and, and she said this one statement, you know, her son was in front of her. He's 17-year-old, but in, mentally, you know, quite probably a six-year-old and and I remember she was venting and she said right in front of me, in front of this, this young, young her, own, her own son, she said, you know, uh, 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 my sister just thinks we're stupid like him. And my heart broke. My heart broke. And, and I realized, man, my calling's there. This is great. I love this. I enjoy this. I'll take every opportunity I get. But if I'm dependent on this pulpit to outwork my calling, I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point. You know, and Catherine talked about it last week. If, you know, if you're waiting for this pulpit or if you're waiting for someone to prophesy or if you're waiting and waiting and waiting to outwork the heart of God for this city, you're missing the point. Come on, and I realize, man, I don't need a pulpit. I don't need another message. I don't need anything ever again from people because I know where God's called me, and it's there. And it's to outwork the love of God for people in this city every single day. Completely changed the way I view my life. Because it's all about people. It's all about people. I want you to, to follow me to 2 Peter chapter 3. And while you're getting there, this is a point in time where, where Peter's approaching death. He's kind of like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm out of here in a bit, guys. So I'm, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to say some stuff with you. It's really important. So some important stuff here. It's the last dying words, you know? And he's speaking to a collective, um, a bunch of churches, Messianic churches. In chapter 1, he gives a command to Christians, you know, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live in the last days, essentially. 
In chapter 2, he maps out false teachers and, and what God's response is. And then in chapter 3, he talks about the end days. But he's clear on one thing that he doesn't want the church to forget. And this is, I find this super interesting, and I find this extremely relevant right now. Because we, you know, just going there, we have all this vaccine talk, end time talk. I don't, I'm not an end time scholar. You know, I don't really like talking about it, but, you know, there's a lot of people talking about it right now. So I found this super interesting. So keep in mind, he's talking about the end days, but he's like clear on one thing. He says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, this one thing. That with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you look at the, if you look at the Hebrew meaning of, of slack, it actually means to delay. So what Peter's saying here is, the Lord isn't delaying his promise of coming and rescuing you. He's not delaying it, as you might think he is. But he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. Why do you think it's long-suffering? Why do you think it, it's actually hard for God to, to delay his promise toward us? Because it would be easier for God just to come right now and fix it all. It would be easier. He could do it. He's God. But he actually, pulled, he's long-suffering. He's stopping himself. Why? Because his heart is that none should perish, but all should have eternal life. Come on, church. I don't know, but I believe there's some of us that we are so distracted by the vaccine about what God's doing that we forget that God's heart is that none should perish. That all should have eternal life. And church, I don't know about you, but I'm committed to not wasting any time to reach this world for Jesus. Because it's his heart. It's his heart. The Lord is not delaying his promise. He is long-suffering towards us, collectively the world. Because his heart is that none of us, that none of us should perish, but all should have eternal life. Could I, be, could I get the band back up, please? You know, I really feel um, tonight that God wanted me to press in um, to just encountering. And I really feel tonight that, that there's an impartation for us to go out into this city and impact it for Jesus. Not, not because of works. Not because it's all about us. But because God's heart is for this city. God's heart is that every single person would have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I believe tonight, you know, you might be in a position where, you know, you're just feeling like, oh man, I just, I just need God to, to move in my life. I just need him to, you know, give me a different job or I've got this situation and I don't know how to get through it or, you know, I just be feeling like I'm cycling through it. And I just want to challenge you tonight that maybe you don't need that thing to change. Maybe you need something in here to change. Come on, maybe you're in a situation because God actually wants to use you. Maybe that workplace you've been complaining about for years, the answer is God in you moving in that place. 
Come on, can we get the lights turned off? Can I invite you guys just to stand up for a moment? Come on, we're going to press into worship. This is a bit different. I know. I know. God, but my heart is that you just wouldn't hear fancy words and that you would just go out like, hmm, that's good, and then just slump back into something that you've been struggling with. My heart is that you would leave on fire tonight because, you know, I believe success is measured out there rather than in here. Come on, it's measured through Monday to Friday. You know, Grace talked tonight about how once we realize God's love for us, we realize how we can outwork our love for others. Come on, church, I want to challenge you that if our, if our love for others isn't outworked in our midweek, why are we here? Well, what are we doing? Can I invite you all to come to the front? Hey, just put your hands out in front of you, close your eyes.